Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus, and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. Let's look back for a moment at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, He, being Jesus, had to be made like His brothers in every respect. Why? Scripture says, so that, he might become, and then what's that word? A merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Why is Jesus a merciful high priest? Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Showing mercy is holding back what someone rightly deserves. Jesus can be a merciful, and Jesus is a merciful high priest in the service of God on our behalf because Jesus fully and completely became one of us. And in doing so, he understands our weaknesses. He understands what it means to be tested or tempted. He is able to be merciful and faithful as a high priest. Now, what is a priest? A priest speaks of an office that is separated, that is holy. A priest is one who mediates, who goes in between. And the fact that the scriptures speak about priests at all reveals something about our nature that it's fallen that because of sin we have to have help to come into the presence of God and to come before the throne of grace we need an intermediary we need a priest because we are not holy we are sinful and sin does separate us. It creates a barrier. It's a divider between us from our God. So we need a go-between. We need a priest. And there were priests in Israel of the tribe of Levi. And so a whole tribe was called into this service of the priesthood. But the whole nation of Israel, according to Exodus chapter 19, all of Israel was to be unto the Lord a kingdom of priests. Israel, God's people, was to be to the entire world a people who represent God and who are mediators, revealers of God to the people and helping the people come to God. And so we have this turn in the book of Hebrews beginning in chapter 4, verse 14, and to a second part. The first part uh, was under this general heading of Jesus is God's final word. And we are to hear him because he is better 
than the ways that God has spoken before. He's better in the sense that he's more complete. He is complete in his revelation of God to man. Jesus is God's final word. If we hear not him, there is no one else to hear. The second part of Hebrews is under this heading of Jesus, our great high priest. And this is introduced here in chapter 4, verse 14. It begins with these words, Since then. And so Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 is beginning to go a different direction. Jesus is our great high priest, but it's summarizing what has already been stated before. Since then, we have a great high priest, not just a priest, not just a high priest. Remember, the high priest was the priest that once a year would go into the Holy of Holies and make the sacrifice of atonement to atone for the sins of the people. That word atonement means to bring the people into that uh, right relationship with God. Their sins were forgiven. They were covered. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. This doesn't just mean Jesus was flying through the air like a bird. What this is saying is Jesus has gone to the highest of highs, to the throne of God. He's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. And in this summary statement, it sums up everything that was said in the first part. Remember, Hebrews didn't begin with Jesus' name. Hebrews began with the identity of God's Son. And then later, that identity is revealed to be Jesus. And here, in summary, we have it very clearly. Jesus, the Son of God. There's no mistaking who He is now. And so what are we going to do with this understanding of who He is? Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Now, this has been stated already in Hebrews. This idea of holding fast our confession, our faith, that which uh, we had at the first, we persevere in, we don't let go of, we hold fast to it. And it reminds us that the original hearers of Hebrews were being tempted to leave the things of Christ and go back to their former way of worship under the law, the law of Moses, and leaving the things of Christ behind. And so the various concerns of this life and persecutions were tempting them to turn and God, the Holy Spirit, moving the writer of Hebrews, is exhorting the people to cling fast, to hold fast to their faith, to not give up, and to persevere in the midst of all circumstances. And this perseverance is now based on the truth that we have a great high priest in this Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. 
Now, if you have a pencil or pen, you may want to circle or underline that word not, for we do not have. And also circle or underline that word unable, for we do not have a high priest who is unable. That's two negatives, not and unable. And in the original language of Greek that this text was written in, the use of two negatives was to emphasize those negatives. And so, what this text is saying is, we do not not have such a great high priest. In fact, our high priest is such that he is fully capable of sympathizing with our weaknesses. We know because he became like us. He became one of us, human with us, walked as we have walked, tested as we are tested. Verse 15 says, but we have one who in every respect, note that word every, you may be tempted to think that Jesus doesn't understand what you're going through because he didn't experience the same kind of temptations or challenges that you experience. Well, this verse debunks that immediately. In every respect, he has been tempted or tested. This is the same word used of what happened to Jesus. If you go back to Matthew chapter 4, when the Spirit led Jesus after his baptism into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil, the same word. And if you remember in that wilderness testing, Jesus was tested or tempted to turn stones into bread. He was tempted to throw himself off of the pinnacle of the temple. He was tempted to bow down and worship the devil. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every temptation can be wrapped up under these three headings. Jesus was tempted in every one of those ways, yet he was without sin. The end of verse 15. And this is what sets Jesus apart from any of the high priests that have gone before, especially in view is Aaron. Aaron was the first such high priest anointed by God for that work. And so far to this point, Aaron and Jesus are being compared just like Aaron and Moses were compared. But here is where that changes because Jesus was without sin. Verse 16 says, based on this, let us then with confidence, that's the same word for boldness, with confidence and boldness, let us draw near, where? To the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now let's think about this throne for a minute. Because it speaks of a throne, a throne communicates authority, sovereignty, power. This throne represents also the law. But it's not called the throne or the authority or the power of the law. It's called the throne of what? Of grace. We should be utterly terrified at the thought of coming before God's throne. 
being sinful as we are. But here we're invited to come before the throne of grace, the love of God, and we will find help in our time of need. Remember, Jesus has already been identified as our helper. Let me encourage you even now, if there's something that you need help with, in God's economy, you can go straight to Him. And God can provide for your need from His uh, superior authority and power and abundance and sovereignty. There's nothing that is impossible with God. Like many of you, I've also worked in what we would call the secular field. I had a job as a claims adjuster at an insurance company. So I sat in a cubicle for about a year uh, on the phone, helping walk people through their car accidents and issuing checks for uh, repairs and injuries and, and the like. Inevitably, this would happen just about every day. I would be talking with a customer or someone that our customer hit in an accident, and they wouldn't like what I had to say. And so what would that person do? You've heard this before, right? They say, let me speak to your manager. They want to appeal to a higher authority. And their thought is, if I don't like what the manager says, I'll talk with that person's manager and that person's manager and that person's manager. And I think they think they could take it all the way up to the top, to the CEO of the company to get their grievance heard. God's word in, in like manner is telling us that we can go to the top of the top. We can go to the power of all powers, to the very throne of God. And we can go there, not on our own merit. We can go there because Christ has gone through the heavens to the throne ahead of us. And he goes as our great high priest. He goes having made atonement for our sins by his own blood so that we then can find help in our time of need. The verse 1 of chapter 5 says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So this explains for us the role of the high priest as understood by the Hebrew people. Verse 2 says, this high priest can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. Ignorant is a word that means there is no understanding, there's no knowledge of what's happening. Wayward is a word that means misguided. It can be even uh, an unintentional sin. Ignorant and wayward. The high priest can deal gently with those who are like this since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, verse 3, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. And so this makes sense. A high priest, humanly speaking, uh, like Aaron, Aaron 
was a sinner, just like the rest of the people. And so once a year, when Aaron would go in for that sacrifice of atonement into the Holy of Holies, he also had to make a provision for his own sin. This is where Jesus and Aaron depart because, again, already Jesus is without sin. Jesus doesn't have to offer such a sacrifice. And like Aaron, Jesus did not appoint himself into this role. God did. The Father did. And this starts to prepare for us an understanding that God had a plan for Christ to be such a great high priest. The work that Christ was sent to do was in the heart and mind of God from the very beginning. And we're going to see this unfold. Verse 5, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, and we're quoting from the Psalms now, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that again is a quotation from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, to show us that It was the will of the Father that the Son fulfill this role as high priest, no one else. And verse 6 says, as he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's from Psalm chapter 110, verse 4. And what's very important to the writer of Hebrews is the promises of God. Psalm 110 verse 4 had this promise about the son. He would be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, all of this is a bit introductory because the next several chapters of Hebrews will unpack what it means to be uh, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? What does it mean to be a priest after that order? And that's all going to come later. But the point we need to take away right now is that the order of Melchizedek, that priesthood, is something different than the priesthood that was established first with Aaron. Something is better about this priest, Christ Jesus, the Son. Verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able. Think back to the throne again. This image of power. God is able. To him who is able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. What is one way that you can be sure your prayers are heard? If your prayers are offered in reverence to God. That word reverence has uh, at its original meaning the word caution. It's a word that helps us understand who it is that we are drawing near to, who we are praying to. It's not a light thing to think about communing with, praying to, drawing near to the creator of all things, who has all power, who is able to do all things. And there is to be approaching him with such reverence and such honor and caution. Verse 8 says, Although he was a son, speaking of Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. 
This is a difficult verse to make sense of, thinking about Jesus learning obedience through what he suffered. And at first glance, we understand that times of suffering produce the fruit of obedience. And this makes sense for us. When everything is going well, when everything is going our way, we are not inclined always to obey. But when we are in desperate need of help from a power greater than us, we're willing to obey whatever that power says. We're willing to obey God, and that obedience is learned through the suffering. Specifically here in context and speaking of Christ, what this verse is teaching us is what Philippians chapter 2 says as well, that Christ took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he became obedient, obedient unto death, even death on the cross. This helps tie it all together because just as we said a, a moment ago that Christ's death on the cross was in the heart and mind of God from the very beginning when Adam and Eve fell. From Genesis chapter 3 where that first word of the gospel is proclaimed on forward. Jesus is obedient, obediently living out what God had prepared for him to walk in. Uh, what the Psalms had spoken of. He learned and understood and obeyed what had been spoken already about him. And he knew that he had come to this earth to fulfill that will of God, to suffer and die for sins. What does 1 Corinthians 15 say? According to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So this is what it means to, uh, for Christ to learn obedience through what he suffered. And remember for us, as we are experiencing suffering, we are also learning as well to trust God in that suffering, to trust that he's in control, that he has a plan. Verse 9 says, And being made perfect, complete, obeying completely, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now look up here. I want to be very clear when I say this. The source of eternal salvation is not uh, to all. The scripture says specifically, the source of eternal salvation is to all who what? Obey him. And this does not mean that you earn your salvation through a work called obedience. Obedience, as we've seen throughout Hebrews, is receiving by faith what God has already done. If you want to experience eternal life and believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, that He died for sin in your place, that He was buried, that God raised Him from the dead and He ascended into heaven, and there He is interceding for you and for me. All who obey, all who have faith, all who believe will receive 
eternal life. And that eternal life is not found in springs of youth or any other place, only in one source, only in Jesus Christ. Verse 10, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. There's something very special about the high priesthood of Jesus. He is our high priest. We need no other. We can come before the throne through him. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, the perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Savior and my God with Christ my Savior and my God let me remind you of this with the Holy Spirit's help, we can persevere in faith and we can draw near to God because we have a great high priest in Jesus. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish his purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of his word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.